0: Welcome to Did God Say That? I'm your host, Angela Thornton. I am excited to have you join me for our very first podcast. The purpose of our podcast is to make sure that we, you, me, all of us understand God's word, make it clear and relatable to you. We want to be like the four-year-old. We want to challenge some of the misconceived notions that about what the Bible says. We will dispel myths misquotes, myths, truths, misunderstandings, or what scripture says and what it means. We understand that there can really be no proper application how to live this word without correct observation. What does it say? An accurate interpretation. What does it mean? We'll tackle portions of scripture that are often misquoted. We'll debunk myths. We'll discuss scriptures often taken out of context. We'll test many of the untruths that men and women have created based on doctrine and denominational bents, whatever that might be. We'll honestly discuss how our personal agendas can often cloud what we believe scripture says it means. We'll strive for revelation, God revealed, illumination, his people enlightened by what he reveals or what he allows us to understand about his word, inspiration, that those who hear it would become so inspired that they would go out and do what Jesus says, make disciples of all men. We want to be able to say everything we do as it relates to scripture is pointing someone else to Jesus in the gospels. So welcome. I'm your host. I'm Angela Thornton. I'm excited to have you here. And maybe you're like me. You have often heard many people say, and the Bible says, only to discover, wait a minute, that's not really what it said. Wait, more important, it didn't say that. And if it did say that, that's not really what it means. Hmm. And so after years and years of studying the inductive study method, I was down several years ago, bedridden for 12 weeks. And it was during that time that the Lord really showed me how to dig deep in his word, how to study, how to look at references, how to look at other scriptures and look at scripture in its totality, not just a single verse, because we can make a single verse say anything we want it to say, but how to look at the verses above it and beneath the chapter above and beneath. How to look at the totality of scripture. What is it saying in the Old Testament? How is it pointing to the New Testament? Because remember, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. is profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. So that means we need to be trained. We need to understand that this word of God really is this word of God. It's God's word. And we need to learn how to study it in context. Yes, context is key. Context is king. Why is that important? If you take it out of context, what you are left with, my friends, is a con. Sad but true. And so it's important that we study this word, that we study the passages, and we study scriptures in the context, that we understand the history behind it. Who was speaking? To whom were they speaking? Is this a book of history? Is this a book of poems? What exactly were the instructions? What were they to do or not to do? Who were they to do it with? Why? Where? How? What would happen if they did or didn't? All of that matters. And then we need to understand this. While all of scripture was written for us, it's not all written to us. And so we can't make something that was not written to us be what we want it to be because it fits the narrative that we want it to say. Because then that kind of means we've taken it out of context. And since we're not the author or the finisher, it's not ours to change. It's not our book. It's the Lord's book. And so it leads to error. It leads to misunderstanding. I mean, it leads to all kinds of things. Literal meaning, what does it say? Historical setting, what are the events of the story? To whom is it addressed? How is it understood? What was the grammar, the immediate sentence before or after? Because some things that Paul said, he literally says, I, Paul, He didn't say Jesus, he said I, Paul. So we can't take what I, Paul said and make it Jesus said. It doesn't work that way. And so we got to understand, and the synthesis, are we comparing it to other parts of scripture so that we get a full understanding and a full meaning of what scripture says. Context is crucial. It is crucial. It is key to biblical understanding and biblical exegesis. That's a big old word just for explanation and interpretation in a text. We'll get there. Listen, it's fundamental. After we account for all of that, the literal meaning, the historical meaning, the grammatical context of the scripture, all of these things make context. It's like looking at a Google map and zooming in on one house and say, well, that's what Google Maps said, when Google Maps is really showing you the entire neighborhood, but you just zoomed in on that one house you were interested in, that one house that you said you wanted to be your house, and then you come up with, I can call those things that be not. I can lay my hand on this house. I can name it and claim it. It didn't say that, y'all. I just want you to know It, it really didn't say that. And so, when you take scripture out of context, like you took this Google map out of context, it leads to misunderstanding. Misunderstanding leads to misinterpretation. Misinterpretation leads to misapplication. And now we got a whole big old messed up mess because we don't understand. So, when we take, say, for instance, the scripture that says God is love, 1 John 4, and we go that whole 7 through 16, when we take it out of context, We come away thinking that God loves everything at all times. Well, he loves everybody. He doesn't love everything. And we'll make it so, well, you know, God loves me. Yes, he does. God loves you because he is love. He doesn't just love. He is love. But we may take the agape love and try to make it that romantic, oh, my goodness, I just love it when he looks at me, love. Not the same love. Romantic love is fickle. It fades. I might love you today and not tomorrow, depending on, you know, if it's Valentine's, you got me a cute gift or whatever. But that agape love that God has, it supersedes how you feel, it supersedes what you did, what you said. He is love. He is love. And so, in its literal grammatical context, love again, refers to that agape love in that scripture, the essence of which is the sacrifice that will benefit another. Mm -hmm. The historical context is crucial because who was John talking to? Who was John speaking to? We need to know that. He was talking to believers in the first century church. He was telling them and instructing them, not on God's love per se, but on how to identify fellow believers from false believers. Do they love like the father loves? That's what John was saying. It is like we take first John three and where he is speaking to his friend Gaius, but we make it seem that, you know, the Bible says we're going to all prosper and be in good health. Well, quite honestly, John just was saying hi to his friend. Hey, Gaius, I would that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. See, you got to read all of it. He was just talking to his friend. So it doesn't mean that every single thing you do and everyone you know is going to all be prosperous. And prosperity, by the way, is not always money. That's a whole nother thing for a whole nother subject. Listen, the, the phrase God is love in the context of the scripture is going to keep us from coming to the false, all-too-common conclusion that God is only love. Now he is love, but he is also just. Yes, justice. Yes, justice. hmm He is. He loves us, but he's just. He's trustworthy. He's righteous. He's faithful. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He knows all things. He is omniscient. There's nothing that he doesn't know, nothing that is hidden from his eyes. There's nowhere on earth, in earth, under the earth, under heaven that God is not there. So he isn't just love. He's all of those things. And when the Bible says that the word of God is God breathed. hmm, It means that the Lord chose specific people to write specific books. And he breathed out to them through his Holy Spirit exactly what he wanted them to write for us to know. There is a kingdom answer and a kingdom solution for everything. So as we journey through this word of God, as we journey through the scriptures, we will find out you don't have an issue that God doesn't have an answer for. You don't have a problem that he doesn't have a solution for. But what I want us to do is to look at what he said about the issue for real, for real, what he said about the issue What he said about the problem, not what we make up in our mind, not how we twist and scramble scripture. And just so you know, you're gonna hear the term scripture scramble a lot. That that's my thing when we take it out of context. Context is king, I'ma say it again, cause the context is gonna drive the meaning of the phrase. And when we don't do that, we have scrambled it all up like a bad batch of eggs scripture scramble and if we ignore the context we put ourselves at a huge huge disadvantage a huge disadvantage so i want you to join me on this journey as we look at the word of god as we go through passages of scripture we might even do a little chapter study or a word study and see what god said. And you might hear me say, or a guest, did God say that? It's a question mark. Did he say that? And we might even challenge some things you believe, have believed, have heard, have thought, have wanted, and heaven help us all. We have all said some stuff that God really didn't say. But it sounds good. It makes us sound real deep too. We like being deep. It makes us sound like we really know and we just wrong. And we say it with our whole chest, wrong, just loud, proud, and wrong. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at some, some parts of scripture, some things where we've been led to believe that God is just sitting around with the hammer ready to just smack you one good time. Everything you do wrong, he is the bad dad. Here's a little secret. doesn't matter what you do. You're never not his child. Just think of the prodigal son. Didn't matter how long he wallowed in the muck. Didn't matter how long he was away from home. Didn't matter what he did. He was still God's son. He was still his father's son. So if anybody wants you to say, well, you know, you're not the daughter of God. You're not the son of God. If you have heard women can't preach and teach, you literally say, did God say that? We said that. Show it to me. And then you remember this little verse I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. See there, he said all. He didn't say male flesh, he said all flesh. Mm-hmm. See how we take things and we twist it just enough. My father used to say this it's five minutes worth of truth in every lie. That's how you believe it. So we twist the scripture just enough. We put a little truth in it, we sprinkle a little truth in it, and then we slather on there the rest of what we wanted to say to fit what we want to do and how we choose to believe. But we are here again to dispel myths, look at some misquotes, untangle some mistruths, mm -hmm, and help you clear up some misunderstandings. Join us for our next episode of Did God Say That?